Welcome to another episode of the Hoodat Jedi Podcast. This is episode 126, and I am Aaron, and with me as always is the Hoodat Jedi Council, Dave and Fredo. How are we doing, guys? Doing well. Kyle, but okay. Yeah, hello mudda, hello fada, right? Um, that, mm-hmm. Has that song been stuck in your head like all week long? Or did I just <laughs> date myself there with that song? Probably, yeah. yeah. Probably, yeah. No, the, the whole new set of songs, trust me. Here I am at Camp Granada. It, yeah, you should have you taken your ukulele with you so you could have played camp songs. Um, yeah, Fredo was at camp all week, everybody, and uh, or at least mm-hmm. for the weekend. Um, so. Through yesterday, yeah. So from Saturday through uh, yesterday for my job, we had to do uh, camp for kids, you know, kids with bleeding disorders and whatnot. And it's uh, always a fun experience. And, you know, it's on the, on the middle of nowhere because that's where all the campsites are. And it was fun. It's, the kids are having a great time. They enjoy themselves. It's their chance to actually beat kids, to run, jump, hike, climb, do obstacle courses, kayaks, all the fun stuff. And then, uh, you know, of course, you get fed all the all the camp food and and that's not why we brought it up because right before we started recording, I had to hit record real quick because Fredo asked us a question because this happens like in Cajun country, right? It was your uh, this year, yeah. This year was over in Dry Creek, Louisiana, which is about an hour north of Lake Charles. So put it this way: it, we are no, we are above the line where the gravy goes from brown gravy to white gravy, which if you ever live in the south. You know, there's a line where all the gravy goes from brown to white. So, anyway, I was driving back from... Insert jokes here, but we'll just move on because you actually asked about something else. Um, Yeah. On my way back, I was passing through Lawtel, Louisiana, and they were advertising their tripe gravy. (laughs) If you're thinking what what we know, what you're thinking about tripe, yes, that, that tripe. Made, gravy made out of tripe. Did I stop the tribe? No, I did not, because you know, that sounded disgusting. But you only live once. Oh no, no! I already had hogshead cheese. I I brought back plenty of spicy pork crackling and boudin. So, so you know what's interesting? Okay, so um, boudin, which is awesome, um, and. That's the thing is that when I first moved here and we first, well, when we started coming down here, I always, it was always just like, here, try Boudin. And so I tried Boudin and it was awesome. And I loved it, loved it, loved it. And since I developed this case that I loved it, and then somebody told me what it's, what it actually is. Mm-hmm. And then somebody described it one time that said, it's like Cajun haggis, which I mean, oh. yeah, pretty much is. And I'm like, so at first I went ew, but then I'm like it's too late because I, I like it, and this is what I get into with like foods with kids and stuff like that. Is like if you because boudin doesn't have a gross sounding name, like haggis, you know. <laughs> I mean it it doesn't it doesn't have a gross sounding or like eggplant or you know insert other gross sounding. So you know boudin sounds kind of cool, you know, and then you eat it and it's just like mm, this is yummy. And then after the fact, they say, well, this is what it is. And it's like, all right, well, it's too late because I like it. So now, um, you know, but I've had and I've had haggis before and I didn't like haggis because I knew what haggis was. It's just weird how food messes with you. But tripe gravy, call it something else. Come on. (laughs) Well, my thing is, particularly with something like boudin, I found that that how it's cooked and how it's presented matters. Because like if you get like boudin balls, you know it's just deep fried goodness. Oh, you can if you deep get fat like break... fry what's in the backyard from my dogs, and people will probably eat it. But you know it's like put enough spices and seasoning. Some ranch dressing, yeah. <laughs> Dude's like no, no. I, you know, and you are totally selling short the the actual appeal of boudin balls, which is that cheese, that oh, gooey yeah. cheese. No, I'm not the, selling short anything. I'm just saying no. you deep fat fry anything, and it'll put people a little over the edge to eat it. You know, um, but no, you're right. The boudin balls with you know the cheese and yeah, yum. Yep. Mm-hmm. But tripe gravy, no. But I guess that uh, you know, I don't know. That it's food. Food is weird. Food is weird. At least with me. I just, if I get in well, my head, you know, it's kind of like the first time I, mm-hmm. I have had two raw oysters in my life. 
Mm-hmm. I've had only two. And, and because they're and Brit loves raw oysters. I know you guys mm-hmm. look at me weird, but come on. I'm, I'm originally from Nebraska. I don't hide that fact. But I was like, you know, we're we, it was one time we were visiting here and Brit's getting raw oysters. We're meeting up with a friend of ours, Tracy. And um, I'm looking. I'm so sorry. I was going through. I was like, it's just a fear. It's just a fear. I have no reason to say I don't like raw oysters because it is just I've never had it. So I'm like, I'm going to try one. And, and it was funny because Tracy said, she's like, yeah, just, you know, uh, said it actually, it feels like you're just hawking down a glob of snot. I'm like, well, I've done that before. So, all right, you know, <laughs> but anyway, so I put some hot sauce on it, some horseradish and take the shell and just, you know, whoop, down it goes. And I was like, Hey, I ate a raw oyster. And then the, of course the guy, I said, told the guy who was shucking them, who was like, no, I ain't eating oysters at all. And I said, Hey, I had one. He's like, did you chew it? And I was like, no. He's like, well, then you didn't really have it. I was like, well, hey, all right, give me a break. Anyway, so I was like, well, I'll, so I'll try, I'll try a second one. So I get the second one, and again, horseradish and and hot sauce, and tip it back, and it gets caught on the shell, and so I have to work it off oh. the shell. So it's like I'm French kissing a cow, and I'm just like, all right, I'm done with oysters now for a while. Thank you. So Deep this is why you okay. tried. This is why you got to try charbroiled oysters with all those the garlic are... and butter and yeah, I mean that those smell awesome. But uh, yeah, dump them, uh, dump them in some gumbo. That's that, that's nice too. Though uh, I will say, like I never heard somebody tell somebody else that they have to chew the oyster on the way down. I've never heard that before. So he might have just been messing with you. I, yeah, I imagine. Imagine if you're an oyster shucker and you're chucking, you know, for a restaurant something like 500 oysters a day. You want nothing to do with the now, oysters. You're, you're tired of that. Come on, guys. We all know, depending on what neighborhood you live in around, you know, in these parts, that there are different rules. So, um, anyway. Well, all right. Well, my German Shepherd just came in and sat down beside me. So, she's telling us it's uh, maybe time for some trivia. But tonight, before we do trivia, um, tonight is going to be a lot about uh, Comic-Con. And I uh, think mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of stuff that's not Star Wars <laughs> announced at Comic-Con, which uh, we might talk about. It's kind of interesting. I find it interesting that it sounds like they're probably saving the Star Wars stuff for D23, but then why don't they save the Marvel stuff for D23? Um, so, or do people really associate the MCU with Disney as much as they do Star Wars? I don't know. Um, but before we start, and yeah, another dog just came in, so pardon all the clickety clack. Um, some Star Wars trivia. Hey, and for the last couple days, Obi Wan has been trending on Twitter, and I can't figure out why. But this first question to Dave is about Obi Wan. What desert natives, according to Obi Wan Kenobi, quote, always ride single file to hide their numbers? Those are the sand people. Tuscan Raiders or the Sand People. Yeah. All right. See, that was an easy one. Did anybody know why he, why Obi Wan was trending on Twitter the last couple of days? No, I'm completely being completely yeah, out. You, no, but also uh, they don't need much. You've been on Gilligan's Island. You wouldn't know. All right. So, Fredo, to you, who tells Qui Gon that the speediest route from Otagunga to feed is quote through the planet core the planet core that would be boss nas aka brian blessed yeah what the the hawk from flash gordon hawkman yes prince, no prince volton yeah from the, you know of the hawk people I'm, I'm missing i'm mixing my hawk, hawk people man. yeah um dc and uh yeah the dc hawkman no no this is prince volton well and then there's you know then there's Die. Hawk from there's Hawk from Buck Rogers, so also true. It's um, a very big Hawk thing in the late seventies, early eighties. All right, so oh, this is tricky. Well, that's not really tricky. Um, to me, who stows away on Senator Amidala's starship? That would be Obi Wan Kenobi. It is stows away. You ever wonder why he uses the force to close the door? 
That's cool. It's cool looking. I mean, I would, if I had the force, I would use the force to open every door and close every door, but he uses the button to open it and then uses the force to close it. So anyway, do you guys still do that when you go to the grocery store? There is not a day that doesn't pass by that I don't try to reach for something out of distance and go like, come on, one of these days the force will work. This, the, here's the storage closet theory for that. There is no way to open the storage closet from the inside if you were to lock it. So it doesn't need to be a handle on the inside of the storage closet. Well, that sounds like a design flaw that some like, you know, intergalactic safety organization would have a recall <laughs> about. I mean, well, there's, there's oxygen. In of course, there, they don't have know? railings on the start on the Death Star. So, I mean, um, by the way, I do want to tell you guys, um, I don't know if you have started watching it, but uh, I am four episodes in on the ILM uh, series on Disney+. Plus. Mm. So cool. It dropped. Dropped, it uh, dropped. Yes, uh, yesterday, yeah. It is, it is so cool. It is so cool. And I'm thinking about all these guys. It's like none of them, they knew they, they were smart but they had no idea what they were doing. But the fact that they were smart and problem solvers and create and highly creative is the only reason why that all got done. And it, it makes me, it makes me think about, um, just, and I'm going to get on a soapbox here for a second. It's like how, because, and I can feel I can get on the soapbox cause I was in education for 19 years that we, we force, we force kids into specialization, you know, in as, as early as, you know, even sometimes junior high, whether it is in sports or just in a field of study or, you know, it's like, um, and then, you know, and then we have, you know, governments who are the, the government who is, you know, saying, you know, you need to, it's all with all due respect to my teacher friends, I'm sorry, but it's always about math, science, you know, um, math, science, English, math, science, you know, and it's like, what we need to do is we need to teach kids how to think, how to problem solve, how to adapt, because then you can, if you, if you have these, you know, overarching skills, then it's like, you know, yeah, then I can, then I can step in and do about anything, you know, but if, but if you were only a photographer, and going into ILM, you weren't going to be much good. You had to have dabbled in all these other things. And like I said, and just been kind of a nerd that liked to experiment with stuff. It's, it's just a fascinating, fascinating um, series. And the fact that I didn't know that Dykstra and Lucas really didn't like each other either. <laughs> oh, there's a, there's well, a parallel. Well, they just didn't get along. They probably liked each other. They just did yeah. not get along. Anyway, well, there, there was some friction there because I think that they, we, we saw that in Empire of Dreams where George thought they were just goofing around, which they pretty much were in the early days. Um, so th I think there was some butting of heads over all of that. Um, but th there's a parallel that immediately comes to mind for me, which is working in media and communications. It's just like you have to wear so many hats. Um, and so you can't just say... Um, I would like to work for ESPN someday and be a talking head in front of the camera. Well, can you film things? Uh, can you write things? You know, it's not just about sitting in front of a camera and talking because there, there's so much more that has, that you have to prove the proving ground. And, and unless you're like, you know, the talent that's making millions of dollars a year, um, you're going to have to chip in all over the freaking place. And so, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. And it's like giving people just a variety of skill sets at, at that age and, and the ability to, as you said, something that that'll transcend a particular niche, which like problem solving uh, is so important. And uh, I totally agree with you. Well, and you, you say that, you know, that George thought they were screwing around it, but the, what this shows, they were, and I've known this, but I know it's never really hit me across the face like it has in watching this, that they were liter quite literally inventing 
period. Everything. They were inventing. Yeah. I mean, they had this idea, you know, I've dabbled with motion control, but they invented a camera and computer system to do. They invented a new way of making movies and none of them really all they it's just um so yeah it's uh it's just it's a really 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 good um series so um yeah highly recommend it yeah i was just thinking particularly as it pertains to because we only get to see the finished product we only see get to see you know what we got to see it's not so easy you know you tend to forget all the trials and errors, all the mistakes, all the, well, we didn't think we could do this, and then they try and it works. So there's, it's it's as much uh, invention and discovery, like any scientist, as it is, uh, if I figure out something, you know, like an engineer, or figure something out in a, in a unique way as an artist, you know, because you can't really be pulled and saying, okay, there can only be one way of doing things. You almost have to be like, well, which way we got a problem? We got to figure out how to how to make this work. Whatever we'll do it, we'll do it. Whether it's something as simple as running a microphone over a over a cable and you know, again the hum of the lightsaber, or how the heck are we gonna film all these explosions going? Okay, we'll just drive a fast truck in front of some stuff blowing up. You, you well, know, there's no there was no playbook, so you have to invent it. And my my last little thing on this is that it also shows, uh, it's kind of interesting because on Vice Network, they've got this series going on right now that is, um, it's called Icons on Earth or something like that. And they're talking about the creation of Star Wars. And the two people that they're chiefly interviewing are John Dykstra and Marsha Lucas, who are taking like about 90% of the credit for Star Wars in this in this series it's funny i mean his ex-wife and the guy who he butted heads with you know um so then you go to this thing over here and um and they're talking george lucas is actually you know interviewed in this uh as, as part of this thing on disney plus and um i'm struck by his the leadership and the vision that he because he said that they all all the people in ilm said when george would come in and explain what this movie was going to be about they all got excited and that made them want to go work on this stuff and figure it out yeah and um and george lucas also said he goes i don't really know how to work a computer i can barely work my phone but he said but i know what i want it to do and so that's what he would do with ilm was he, he'd just say i want this and they're like well we can't do that and his line would be well just think about it and they're like, we, okay, I will, but we can't do it. They said, just think about it. And then they, then Dennis Muren said, then I went and thought about it. And 15 minutes later, I had a solution. You know, so it's like if if ILM wouldn't have had George Lucas' visionary, I mean, just think about what movies would be like today. I'm sorry, I'm rambling on, but I'm just totally geeked out over this thing. But uh, anyway, we can move on to Comic-Con stuff. Watch it if you haven't yet. Um, of course, I'm a big documentary nerd, so this is... I love this stuff. So, um, oh, but first, before Comic Con, we got some news. Right yeah, well, actually, well, actually, let's start with. Uh, I guess I'll start with the non, uh, the one good bit, the one bit of non Comic Con news. Uh, they were doing an interview with Pedro Pascal and Katie Sackhoff. Um, uh, this was Total Film Magazine, and they're discussing season three of Mandalorian. So, asking them about where their characters are, where Din Djarin and Bo-Katan are ahead of season three. And so Pedro says this, quote, if he's stepping into a leadership position, he's reluctant to do so. I don't think that there's anything more interesting than a character being forced into discovering what they're capable of. Kind of to go what you were saying about ILM and, and, who, or who, and who they are. That part has been really, really fun. Also, from my point of view, there's so many searchable ways to find the tonality of that. I just try to find to achieve the, to achieve the subtleties of that kind of character development. So you know, end quote. It's interesting that he's putting it from that point of view that it, it's Mandel even further out of his comfort zone and doing something he's not thrilled to be doing. Well, uh, he's, Katie Sackhoff, he's he's de facto uh, leader, right? And mm-hmm, yeah, well, has no desire to be the leader of the Mandalorians. Yeah, and finding out that he's you know kind of like a 
no, but let me get to Katie Scotts because I'll go. This kind of goes off with that. They ask her uh, Katie Sackhoff about Volkatan, and she says, "Quote: Anytime you have a goal and you don't succeed, I think you reevaluate." And then uh, it says, "Goes. It's funny because you always have to think about how you're interacting with Grogu." Because they ask her about that scene we saw in the um, celebration trailer that's been leaked, where she's asking Grogu about, "Did you ever think your dad was the only Mandalorian?" And she goes. It's so specific. You have to make sure that you're not doing anything that says something different. Every single thing, every single interaction with Grogu is very, very thought out. So, but it, but I find it interesting because yeah, going back to Din Djarin's character, he has existed in a in a story in a world in which the only Mandalorians were his clan, the people he knew. As far as he knew, that was the only way to be Mandalorian, and now he's getting exposed to going to get exposed to different kinds and different uh, versions of it and does he stick to the rigid creed that he got taught or does he go a different way i think that's the kind of direction that we all sort of anticipated um just because we know this right we know things that that character doesn't know about that culture mm -hmm. at this point he thinks it's a certain way in a very rigid narrowly defined way we know that the culture extends beyond that particular viewpoint. And so he's going to have to come face to face with that in season three. And um, that's going to, I think that's going to, there's going to, there's a lot of um, potential, I guess I would say within that. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's going to be a, it's going to be part of the excitement is that uh, the old, uh, uh, it's a William Faulkner quote that George R. R. Martin always likes to say, you know, the only the only stories worth telling are about the heart in conflict in conflict with itself. So the idea of Din Djarin being in conflict within himself as his identity versus this role he has assumed as father to Grogu versus this role that, okay, I'll, I just beat the guy who was holding my kid hostage and I picked up his sword and now congratulations, this warrior culture says, you're now our leader which he never wanted. So come to terms with all that. I think it's going to create some, in some interesting dynamics. Is that Lucy or? Well, Luna's barking in the background, which then set off Lucy. So yeah, it's like, you know, it's like my smoke detectors. One goes off, then the rest of them start going off. Anyway, sorry for that. It's she no, she, so she was saying, let's move it along. <laughs> I'm just Lucky, kidding. Yeah, just kidding. No. Get on with it. Don't, yeah, don't, right. don't forget on with it. So, uh, okay, so getting into the San Diego Comic-Con news, there was a couple of bit of news from Star Wars before we get to Marvel. Uh, Lucasfilm, uh, it was discovered, trademarked a number of names that immediately became speculation for new projects. So apparently, and ahead of the presentation by Lucasfilm, and then ahead of the presentation by Marvel, excuse me, uh, fans were just finding, hey, they had copyrighted the, multi the terms Multiverse Saga, Captain America, New World Order, Thunderbolts, and so that's how before the fans got into the presentation hall to hear all those announcements made, they knew that they were coming. So then naturally that led Star Wars fans to go looking for copyright or trademark names, and they found three. Lucasfilms has filed three similar trademarks. The quote, the Great Circle, quote, the Galactic Circle, and quote, Circle of Resistance. Now, None of these have, say, Star Wars in front of them or to the side of them or whatever. At the same time, though, it's similar in nature to the mechanics of how they've trademarked other names within Lucasfilm, not just Star Wars properties, but everything from Rebels, Last Jedi, Galaxy of Adventures, Jedi Temple Challenge, Book of Boba Fett. So, yeah, it's... Uh, because you got to get that. You, gotta, you, you can't start the merchandising and the designing of stuff unless the name's locked in with a trademark company. Yeah, it's uh it's all this is fun for is, you know, speculation. And and however, I did play the one thing I will say is that one of these things is not like the other. You know, it's like when I was reading through these things, um actually I saw it this morning, reading through them I was like, "Okay, okay." And then the one that stands out is the circle of resistance. That tells me that that I mean that makes me lean down towards something you know around between Jedi and Force yeah. Awakens. Um, the other two I could I was thinking that could form in a High Republic type of thing or whatever. So I mean there's 
really no news here but it's just fun to speculate but like i said i did play one of these things is not like the other and um it would be interesting that if we got a sequel prequel can we say that did i just coin a phrase it could be because it could very well be for a tv show coming to disney plus and then a joining video game you know you could have uh, circle of resistance and it also could be that they were just all brainstorming one day and somebody said, all right, go get these things copywritten so that nobody can take them in case we want to use them some down down the road. But I just found mm-hmm. it kind of interesting that, like I said, one of them was not like the other. So, Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, so then the other bit of news that kind of came out from uh, Comic-Con Star Wars-wise was we got official confirmation from Amanda Stenberger uh, themselves that they're officially... The you know acting in or the lead in the upcoming show The Acolyte, talking about a show where some of the net, the copyright name had leaked out. So on on their Instagram page they confirm next up a galaxy far far away, and during an interview that uh, they did with Fanta Tracks Radio, uh, Amanda said, "quote My whole life is Star Wars. I wake up and I think about Star Wars. I watch Star Wars before I go to sleep." I read Star Wars. I listen to Star Wars podcasts. My life has been transformed to be dedicated to this one universe, which is actually fun and liberating. Except so, for when they were doing Hunger Games, but yeah, but also, <laughs> but it's from the standpoint of okay, this is somebody who's a fan. Yeah, Amanda's excited. a fan. You can tell. I mean, that's kind of cool. And if she's and if she's listening to us, hi. I have no idea what this. I, I have speculate what this what this show is going to be about, but um, it has All me more intrigued. It has me more intrigued than about anything that Star Wars has got mm-hmm. coming out right now. All all we know for certain is who the showrunner is, what project she's done, and that it's set during the end of the High Republic. And it's kind That's of a, it. and it's kind of a who done it. I think is from what I understand mm-hmm. exactly. And. And it could be any number of ways. It could go any number of ways. And I think that's the exciting part about it, Aaron. Just that idea of we don't know. So even with stuff that we're excited about, like Andor or Season 3 of Mandalorian, we kind of have some idea of where that's going to go. This is, I think, the most we have no idea about a project since probably before Mandalorian came out. Cool. Well, all right. Well, I guess that's our news. Um... Our news, yeah. Star Wars news. Let's talk about Comic-Con. Um, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law went to Comic-Con again, and my sister-in-law met uh, Ozzy Osbourne, um, which cool. was kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but um, And uh, so a lot of announcements out of Comic-Con, like I said earlier, but not a lot of Star Wars announcements. Um, there's a whole slew of Marvel stuff and we're not going to talk about the obvious sequels because um, as we were chatting about what we, because there's so much stuff, it would have taken a you know a couple oh, episodes to, to cover all this stuff. But, I mean, there's there's sequels of, you know, Black Panther and Ant-Man Wasp, stuff like that. And I said, you know, for me, not being, you know, as um, educated in Marvel, you know, it's kind of like when I went when I before I went to see Shang Chi. I was like, "What is what is this kind of about?" I asked you guys for kind of an elevator pitch of what's this about, you know, so I know what I'm kind of getting into. Um, so I think that's what we're gonna do. Is we're gonna hit on some of those things, um, but first, maybe um, before we dive into that Marvel stuff, anything really trip your trigger that made you kind of excited um, of any Comic Con announcements. I really, enjoy, I really enjoyed just right quick. Uh, I really enjoyed the new the sequel to Shazam trailer because that was a movie I did not expect anything out of, and I was delighted how fun and charming and exciting it was. So I'm looking forward to that sequel. Uh, I had Black that. Adam look- I had that Mego action figure like way back in the you know late 70s, but I I never saw the movie when it came out just recently. So. You okay? Okay, okay, okay. I'm not gonna build it up too much. <laughs> is it is it is it a good one? It's 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 very close to my top ten. Oh wow! Okay, cool. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and you know, going not expecting it to be the greatest thing ever, but 
Uh, it was surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, not a lot of people really expected it to be, turn out as well as it did. And uh, Zachary Levi was just wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. It runs a lot deeper than the concept would have you believe that it does. Um, the concept is, you know, little kid says a magic word, becomes big and strong superhero, right? Um, and they play that for all the laughs and that they should. Um, but there, there are deeper themes going on there about myth and power and family and um, oh god, really, really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it um, is. It is. Uh, and because I think it was coming at the tail end of the original failure of DC's extended universe on film, like it was sandwiched right between uh, Suicide Squad and Justice League. A lot of people really didn't give it much thought and uh unfairly i think i think it was in terms of the good dc movies that one aquaman wonder woman that like you know which is surprising because they're not the projects that everybody was looking forward to the biggest but it i think i enjoyed it joy for what it is it's just very delightful puts a happy smile on my face i think it came out a month ahead of endgame too if i remember correctly so like it just got completely overshadowed by endgame everyone was like endgame 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 and so uh, I think that was at play there too, but uh, but yeah, the trailer was quite good. Uh, I'm with you. I loved the choice of music in that trailer. Um, mm-hmm. It just it it struck the right chords, and it, you you really made me feel like I was traveling back to the first film, and that made mm-hmm. me happy. I I mean I'll you know I'll dovetail off of that and just say that the the, the Avengers announcement uh, the the two movies that are coming in like 2025 I guess um, and I don't want to be like too you know I may be dead and buried by the time those things come along right and so I'm not like overly excited but I also feel like what's telling about these two films are the titles that they have. And also that they come about six months apart from one another, which sort of indicates that they're really building to something really big uh, eventually, which for everybody that's been struggling along with the Marvel stuff here recently is like, okay, this is encouraging. They are going to eventually build to this big thing. And we know it is going to involve Kang and we know it's going to involve the Secret Wars. Um, and again, do those two things relate to one another? And 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 how do they relate to one another? We don't know any of that. But we know the stuff is going to be hitting the fan, um, so to speak, in 2025. So, so um, funny because Britt mentioned... She she came out shaking her head. Is it? Uh, she said on on Twitter, people are really confused and kind of upset that this the new phase of Marvel movies is not going to have Iron Man and Steve Rogers as Captain America and all their favorites. It's like, have you not been paying attention? And apparently, they haven't. So. Um, <laughs> So I didn't realize that those two movies are going to be released six months from each other. One is in uh, the earmark. Uh, so Avengers of the Kang Dynasty, May 2nd, 2025, which apparently is going to be directed by the Shang-Chi director, Destin Daniel Cretton. Avengers Secret Wars, which would allegedly close out phase six, is November 7, 2025. So, yeah. It's not fair. Yeah, we had to wait two three years between empire and jedi i mean it's not fair kids you don't know how you don't know how how good you got it um so if we we can let's i just want to hit a couple of these because i know they're going to be involved and this is aaron being uh dumb marvel you know i i I like the Marvel movies that I watch, but I don't understand what some of these are so like i said skipping through a lot of these um Talk to me real quick. Give me the elevator pitch of Secret Invasion. And when you talk about, by the way, because I'm Secret Wars, Secret Secret Invasion, we're not doing a potato potato thing. Those are probably two very different things. All right. So 
so I guess first sure. of all, first of all, Dave, you mentioned Secret War, uh, Secret Wars, because that's one of the Avengers movies. What what is you said? We know it's going to involve that. What are the Secret Wars, or what is Secret Wars? Or I always defer to Fredo because he's like well, he is more better versed than I am. So I'll give him that. Uh, so uh, Secret Wars is the end. Uh, was a storyline that played a number of years back where the idea was that every time you know the multiverse and every time these two universes within the multiverse collided the hero you know, the heroes of both of these worlds had to fight one another and whoever won got to continue existing the other one was destroyed so there comes a moment where kang takes all the heroes and brings them to this world i believe it's called battle world to basically fight for the fate of their universe interesting okay so, so Obviously, that's that you can see why this would be the end point of the multiverse saga of, of phase six. Secret Invasion, on the other hand, is going to be a Disney Plus TV show, which is going to focus on the invasion by the Skrulls, the aliens from Captain Marvel, the ones that can shapeshift and look like anybody that we know from um, uh, from uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, that one of them, the guy, the mid-talent has been uh, living like Nick Fury, while Nick Fury's been out in space. So the whole idea is, think of like Invasion of the Body Snatchers for Marvel. There's a whole race of secret aliens taking over governments and leaders and positions of power, but you don't know who's the real one and who's the alien. Thus, Secret Invasion. Gotcha. Because they're not the same idea. Nailed it. That's going to be like the second big project next spring, which is interesting. That's Disney Plus, but yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's keep maybe moving down mm-hmm. the list here real quick because um, there's some others I'm like kind of other kind of head scratchers. Um, now I know this isn't the, okay. So we've we've already had Blade, but not in mm-hmm. the MCU, um, and it was teased at the end of the Eternals. Correct. Mm-hmm. All right. So I guess are are we going to see Wesley Snipes again, or is this going to be no. okay? Mahershala Ali from, uh, uh, kind of like a winning actor, uh, from stuff like, um, what kind of names uh, of his movies, but he was in Green Book and he was in mm-hmm. Daredevil season one. Uh, great actor. He's taking over the role of Blade. And, uh, so no, so you won't get Wesley Snaps this time out. And this will be the MCU's version of Blade, which will be interesting because, uh, we haven't gotten any MCU version of any other characters around his neck of the woods but should be fun should be exciting good you know we haven't had too much of that marvel horror aspect we got a little bit in the what if with the zombies we've gotten somewhat with dr strange and um uh one division with the witches and whatnot this will be because i mean there's no way you can you know there's gonna be blade hunting vampires in the mcu so i wonder dave do you think they might bring dracula into the mcu at long last I mean, they're bring if they're talking about bringing Namor in, and that's one thing we haven't mentioned at all, which was the Black Panther trailer dropped, and you got to see Namor. Who's, um, who's Namor? Kind of, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Who? Yeah, that's right. who's Namor? Namor is the uh, the Marvel's version of Aquaman. Oh, okay. Which like oh, which they they talk Aquaman, they kind of talk about that in um end game a little bit when a reference it when um saying there was some disturbance in the ocean yeah off the coast of africa and yeah okay a lot of people were like "Ooh, i think they're teasing namor and like turns out yes um and i think we've yeah, known for a while but then the, the trailer just completely confirmed all of that um and one of the interesting things uh yeah because they not only did they tease it but there's this whole storyline within the comics of Wakanda going to war. Now, in the comics, they've always established that Namor is the ruler of Atlantis. But what's interesting is he's not necessarily... Sometimes he's a hero. Like, he's one of the oldest comic book characters in Marvel. Like, he was fighting with Captain America against the Nazis in the 1940s. But he's also been a villain of the Fantastic Four. But what I love about it is that they went and made him, you know, because, you know, they could adapt it, they turned... Atlantis is not Atlantis anymore. They, I forget the name of it. I believe it's called Tlaloka. And they hired a uh, narco star, 
Tenoch Huerta. So they're leaning into the Mesoamerican influences for the MCU's version of Atlantis, which is cool. For Latino, I love that. But it's also it's interesting because it gives it a completely different feel and style from anything we've seen so far. But like relating back to your question, I see he mentioned Dracula, and I'm like, if they're doing Namor, then you could do anything. Um, I do think like that would stretch some credibility with some audience members who were really like, really, like, really, how? Like it would confuse them, I think. Um, yeah, like if you were watching a Marvel movie, Aaron over here, and Dracula showed up. I'd be. I would think it was a Scooby Doo crossover. Yeah, I would yeah. think it would be a Scooby Doo crossover. Okay, yeah. um, cool. Uh, so I guess talk to me because also I guess coming fall of twenty twenty three, so not too I mean, about a year from now. Um, Ironheart. Ironheart is Riri Williams, who we also got to see in the Blade Wakanda. I'm sorry, Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer. She is this young genius inventor who basically takes over for Iron Man's spot when he, I forget whether he disappeared or had retired or something. Basically, she's the genius inventor for uh, the MCU. Oh. Yep. No, no. And so, uh, yeah, she's, uh, it's going to be interesting because they've already devised it's going to be a Marvel show. Oh, no, uh, hold MCU on. I'm going gonna, gonna to pause you for a second because it's, you're already, I mean, so Tony Tony Stark Iron Man obviously died in Endgame, and you're saying yeah. she took took over for him when he retired or whatever. So oh. yeah, so she's the uh, the heir apparent um, in in that regard. Um, I think that we like probably if you go back and you listen to us like speculating at the end of Endgame. Uh, uh, we probably talked about that. Like, they would Ironheart to, eventually take over? Um, they might have there's... to tweak some storyline then to make it kind of make sense. Because if you don't mention this person at all, and actually, with what you were saying, and this is just the uneducated talking right now, folks. But with what you're saying, kind of the person who takes over the mantle. I mean, I would think that would be the way the MCU set it up. I think that would be Peter Parker. He was kind of the protege of of Tony Stark, and he was making his own, you know, uh, um, that whole scene in the back of the plane and Far From Home, you know, and everything. But um, so it'll be interesting to see how they how they uh, how they make this uh, connection. Well, remember, at the end of No Way Home, the only way that Doctor Strange could save the world was by making everybody forget Peter Parker, Spider Man which meant he wiped his memory out of everybody, not just Ned and MJ, but also out of Happy Hogan, out of anybody who knew that Peter was Tony's protege. Yeah. So all that's gone. That's why, that's why he's at the final scene. He's making his own suit you know, and being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man because that's no longer going to be him. It's going to be Riri Williams. I think the thing I'll give uh, Marvel some credit for and, and a little bit of um, rope uh, with, uh, with this stuff is that they did not have these television shows, uh, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago to sort of lay this sort of groundwork for new characters. Uh, they have them now. And we saw that with uh, Hawkeye. Um, they're like, all right, Kate Bishop, you're, you're up next. Basically Hawkeye's going to retire. You're going to take on the mantle of Hawkeye for us. Uh, we're going to introduce you over this miniseries and then people will be familiar with you. And so when you show up in the next Avengers movie, people won't be like, what? I'm with you 100% of that. With you 100% of that. However, they have slipped up because at the beginning of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, when America Chavez comes on screen and Brittany and I are like, who? I mean, and that's again, the uneducated Marvel person. But, you know, other Marvel movies, what they did was they would set up, you know, the person who's going to be, you know, kind of involved in the next uh, movie. Or, like you said, in the TV, you know, Disney Plus stuff, they've been setting these things up a little bit. And then, so I'm wondering if, you know, are they going to have the same type of thing with Ironheart where it's like... No. 
They've announced a series. They're going to so. establish her in the series, and then she'll show up eventually True. in the movie. It's a different, so. yeah, different thing. Like, like, yeah. like we said, we saw her in the trailer for Black Panther 2. So we know they're almost doing the same thing they did with Black Panther, where he got introduced in Civil War. Yeah, and then that, no. he had his own movie. Well, Riri's going to have, you know, Ironheart's going to be introduced in Black Panther 2, and then move on to her own TV series. So it's going to yeah, be well, it's interesting that they're doing it that way. So Ironheart's going to be, so it's basically. Um, They've I, set it up for like every character. And again, like the, there's comics precedence for all of this. That's what makes it kind of smart in, in its own way. Right. Which is like, okay, we're going to kill off Iron Man and Captain America's old now. And it's like, well, the comics give you options to sort of carry the mantle forward so that you're not really losing um you know that aspect of your universe you're losing the particular character um but you're replacing them with a different character that may be equally interesting more interesting you know you it remains to be seen so, so. one last question i have um mm -hmm. and then we can get on to other maybe portions of comic-con um but um and I know this was also part of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but not as um, clear. But explain to me Thunderbolts. So talking about how you, we just said that they, uh, they'll they set up new characters, kind of taking on mantles, but not be the same. Thunderbolts are a group team up similar to the Avengers that happens when the Avengers are no longer present. The the twist of it it's that it's a team controlled and ruled by the villains so oh this is it. this is what um oh what's her, uh julia louis dreyfus is building yeah together. so mm -hmm. it's, okay so instead of so uh, not Captain dr America, strange i'm thinking about something else okay no no you but yeah but julia louis dreyfus it's it's interesting because the thunderbolts have added you know they're similar to the avengers they've had a change in roster of characters and heroes and villains in it but it's the whole idea is that they're almost like avengers and they, everybody in the world thinks that they're the good guys it's marvel suicide squad yeah i know <laughs> because whereas the suicide squad is just villains and everybody knows that they're the bad guys and they're supposed to be kind of kept on the dl and nobody knows who, that they're out there thunderbolts are almost similar in nature to the avengers they're out there they're helping people oh my god they're awesome but you don't know that behind the scenes they're doing the bidding of bad guys yeah so so is, well, again, they, pre when... they present as good guys when they actually aren't whereas suicide squad's kind of the opposite they present as bad guys but they actually try to do good so yeah and i think what's interesting is that when you look at it from the standpoint of stuff like like you said like you've seen with uh julie julie Dreyfus's character with captain america winter soldier uh with uh Secret Invasion, the whole idea of the scrolls with uh, all these characters kind of being a bit more complex and different. It creates a dynamic where, yeah, Thunderbolts close enough. Phase Five makes sense. It's a team up movie, heroes coming together, but it's not gonna. It's kind of supposed to make you give you the warm and fuzzies like it's the Avengers coming back, but it's not. You know, underneath there's like darkness and whatnot. I will say some other ones that I'm looking forward to. Echo, I'm looking forward to. Of course, she was uh, introduced in uh, Hawkeye. Um, mm -hmm. The one that I, you know, at, you know, I'm I'm warming up to is She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. It seems to me that that's just going to. I mean, you, it seems like you have to walk into that one with. Um, it, it's it sounds like it's going to be one of those. It's fun, wacky of, or yeah. silly. Yeah. Um, what other aspects of comic-con maybe any of these announcements that i've skipped over or anything else that you heard um i will say that uh i mean i have to point out that uh kevin smith was there for clerks three i'm not sure if we needed to go to the well for a third time um but um there we are so um have you seen the the plot of that one yes yes yeah yeah I think that's clever. Um, it had, I, I'm one of the people who really liked Clerks too. Oh, I like Clerks yeah. too. Yeah, it's how I, it's how I met my wife. I'm here. Um, it just I I adore that movie, and so for me, Clerks three. Okay, yes, I'm in. 
That having been said, I did see the Jane Silent Bob sequel, and I was not a fan. <laughs> so that that was one where it's like it was it was fine. Uh, of course, I went to um, I Brit and I watched it when it was right. It was the it was the day after Mardi Gras, um, right before everything got shut down for COVID. Um, we went to the Joy here in New Orleans because Kevin Smith had his last Q and A for. Oh. You know, and it was the Jay and Silent Bob uh, reboot, and it was it was fun. You know, um, I haven't busted my hump to see if I could see it again. Um, that being said, if I had an option, I probably would. It's, I'm not gonna watch it a bunch of times. Clerks too, I've watched a bunch of times. I've thought that was funny. I think the actors in that, um, especially the kid who plays Elias, is just hilarious. Um, and it's such a well played. Speak this erotica. <laughs> That's all I need to say. You start laughing because I'll um, miss my donkey. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, I, like I said, I know that wasn't Comic Con. Like I said, my sister in law met uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Um, what else, uh, Comic Con wise, did trip your trigger or made you mad? Let's put it that way. Uh, kind of three big shows that are coming right quick one after another in the fall this year kind of like ooh that looks neat ooh that looks cool oh my god looks uh, so we got the new footage of Lord of the Rings the, the Rings of Power which I'm looking forward to I know there's some people in the Tolkien uh, uh, nerdy fan base who are kind of dismissive of it I'm just looking forward to it it looks fun that lore you know the, the the second age is unexplored in terms of all the lore that it has. It's amazing and beautiful. Uh, House of the Dragon with HBO, which I am hoping that it'll be all the political intrigue of the War of the Roses with dragons and actually, you know, give us a better ending. But the one that really just caught my eye was Sandman, which I don't know, Dave, if you ever read those comic books. I mean, I, I I haven't. That's like such a like gaping hole in my uh, in like you know I have to do it right at some point. It's on the to do list, the bucket list. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, the library was my savior there because it's uh, so. Aaron, if you've never heard so about about in the nineties, uh, uh, author Neil Gaiman, the guy, American Gods, uh, Good Omens, a whole bunch of other stuff. He's a comic book writer and how he made his name was in this series of comic books based on this Sandman character that DC had. But instead of making him just a superhero, he turned him into the Lord of Dreams and who had been in prison for like decades. And that's how it starts. It starts off with him returning to his realm and finally taking over and trying to regain his power. But then it just, it becomes the trippiest, weirdest, most interesting story ever. Because, I mean, it goes through like, Oh, I think it's like 150 comic books where, I mean, you have everything from Shakespeare to Caesar to uh, all kinds of stories. Some are beautiful, some are horrifying. I mean, this is where you get monsters with eyes for their, you know, with teeth for their eyes and all kinds <laughs> of things. And it's unique. It's it's like nothing else, literally. You know, everybody says this is like nothing else. Sandman's like nothing else. There's a reason everybody still quotes it so many decades later. There's a lot of trepidation amongst fans of that series that, uh, you know, this couldn't possibly live up to it. And I, I feel like Watchmen was one of those where it's like, and yeah, you can't film Watchmen. You know, his own creator, the own creator of Watchmen said you can't film Watchmen. Um, and so, like, yeah, it's one of those. So there will be a lot of people that instantly hate it, no matter what it is. Um but you know, again, it's it's very well revered content. And uh, the other thing that I was kind of laughing was, uh, did you see the tra the trailer for National Treasure Three? I didn't watch the trailer when I um, I mean, I'm I, I'm actually really upset that we're uh, that we're not actually getting a proper sequel. I, that's it sounds awful, but I mean it's like. It, it left on what's on page 56 you know type of a deal and who knows we may find out in the uh in the um disney plus series i'll probably watch it but you know it might be proof of concept for him a little bit you know like is there enough interest in this series for people to okay now we'll now we'll green light a 
a feature film and we'll bring back Nick Cage and his huge salary, you know, because it, um, it is a little niche. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of the first two movies and, uh, I would have liked to have seen a proper sequel too. Yeah. Uh, they were setting up a number three and it never happened. So if nothing else, I, I would love for some closure from that aspect. Yeah. Dave, anything uh, on your end from Comic-Con that... I mean, like, I'm not going to list anything that, like, particularly appealed to me personally because we were talking about doing stuff that's a little off the radar. Um, and none of that really, like, jumped out at me personally. But there are things that I think, like, people might want to pay attention to they may not have heard about yet. Um, X-Men 97 is coming back. Um, you know, 20, 20 years ago. Yeah. 20 years ago. I would have been like overjoyed at that news. Um, I, I've cooled on the series a little bit in, in the, uh, in the ensuing years, but like not enough to like, um, poo poo this. I think it's still kind of a cool thing. Um, my kids loved the, uh, they've watched the original series at this point cause it was on Disney plus. So they've sat down and they've watched the whole thing. Um, it's, it's pretty good. Um, and before the X-Men movies came into theaters, this was the template. Um, like this is what X-Men fans pretty much wanted to see in live action X-Men. Um, so like, like from a historical perspective, it's kind of cool to go back and check it out on that basis. And then like, again, they're bringing the series back now and they're, they're, it never would have expected anything like that. But, you know, nostalgia, I guess, kind of rules the day. Um, they're doing uh, a new Daredevil series with the same actors um, who were in the original series. So if you... Well, and, and he was uh, in the latest Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. uh... Yeah, no way home, right? Yeah, the the uh, the actor who played Daredevil was in the latest Spider-Man. Kingpin was in um, Hawkeye. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And so now you get the two of them. They're both back. Um, and so now you're going to pay that off in an actual series, um, which is cool. Uh, again, here free plug for Disney Plus. You know, like the all those series are are there now so if you want to go back and watch the original daredevil you can um i'd say the other two things that sort of have jumped out at me over the uh, the conversation among geekdom uh this video game multiverses uh, a lot of people are talking about this because like Le lebron james became a character in this and i think rick and morty are a new character in this and it's basically a fighting game where it's like a crossover fighting game so you got like Scooby-Doo fighting, you know, LeBron James. Or, the or, licensing know. of that has to be murder. <laughs> Not only that, like think about it like this, okay? I'm a big retro gamer, and I know that, Fredo, sometimes you go back and you play the older games, and I know, Aaron, you do too. It's like the licensing on getting those older games together, if it's a licensed game, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game, you could never play that other than in the arcade cabinet for years and years and years you couldn't play this game that's because the licensing was all tied up and it was like it moved from one party to another and then nickelodeon had it and i think nickelodeon still has it um but just think about that like all the crossover that is happening with this particular game right now and then this game goes out of print so to so to speak eventually doesn't go on to modern platforms you're never gonna see this game again i mean 20 years from now this game is gonna be like you know the holy grail of video games for people because like the crossovers are, are insane by the way on a, on a tangent one of my favorite games on the xbox was um dc mortal kombat i i really enjoyed that game anyway Alien versus Predator was a big one. Like you can't play that game. Um, um, that was an arcade game from the early '90s um, that people loved, and it's like that the rights are all tangled and messed up, and you can't play that thing anymore. So it's like, I, this is the this is like the ultimate nightmare version of that. Um, but like people are excited about it. I haven't played it yet. 
Uh, I think it's a free download. Um, and so they get you with the microtransactions and all of that, you know. Canada. Um, yeah. That was a South Park yeah. reference. Yeah. Um, so, like, that's something to potentially check out because a lot of people are talking about it right now. Um, and then this one thing that, like, jumped out at me because I'd never heard of it. And it's just like, I was like, what is this? Bat wheels? Did you see this, Fredo? Running back. Okay, yeah. it, it's the Batmobile, but like anthropomorphized, like alive, like like cars, like like you know Lightning McQueen or something. Is this a show <laughs> or a game? It looks like it's a show. It's a cartoon, and it's like you know an alive Batmobile. And I saw this thing. And I was like, "What? What? How did I? How did I never hear about this thing until now?" It just like it like boggled my mind. Are you sh- are you it. sure you didn't like eat some brownies at work oh, or anything? Oh yeah, you're right. You know, I might have. No, 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 no. Let me see if I can pull up a a write up for you. To... It's the, well, up- look- the upcoming preschool series Bat Wheels has received a new trailer. A 30-minute prequel special titled Secret Origin of the Bat Wheels will also be released on Cartoonitu on HBO Max in celebration of Batman Day on September 17th. Bat Wheels. I didn't know there was a Batman Day. Yeah, Sophie didn't either. Mm-hmm. And, and she's the most bat dog ever, uh, ever to be. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say two more things I wanted to bring up that kind of excited me. One was next month, Hulu is going to be debuting the latest Predator sequel, Prey, which is supposed to be about a First Nations warrior, a woman warrior, taking on a Predator. And they had some new footage on it, and it looks awesome, and I can't wait for it. The other thing is, another yeah, d- direct to streaming. That's the interesting part of it to me that I was like, oh, direct to streaming? Huh. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm all for it. I, you know, yeah. I'll, I I hope everybody watches that. If, if if it's as good as it looks, it, it'll be dominating the conversation that weekend, which is what you want to do. Uh, the other thing was I don't know if you saw the trailer for the Dungeons and Dragons movie with Chris Pine. Yeah, didn't we do that and, in the '80s already? Well, that's what's <laughs> funny. I mean, they've done a number of Dungeons and Dragons movies and they've all kind of flopped. But I love the fact that this one it's Chris Pine talking about being the planner or whatever, and then it ends with he's the bard. And I just, when that moment hit me, I just busted laughing. I could not stop. I'm just like, okay, if you're going for that level of humor, I could see where this will find its audience. And it'll just be, it could be one of those things where people just quoting it and just laughing about it, just having a great time, which I'm all for. This, this doesn't need to be, it doesn't all need to be uh, Game of Thrones style series in order to be fun. Okay. By the way. This is this is a tangent of a tangent because you mentioned Chris Pine and it made me think about my favorite Chris Pine movie, which is probably actually my favorite Alan Rickman movie as well, is a movie called Bottle Shock. Oh yeah, yeah. Have I you guys seen this? Yeah, it's great. It's a it's a great movie and the the scene of Alan Rickman eating Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> is just worth the price of admission so bottle oh shot my gosh. like they did okay so they and they went back to that scene because they had they had him eating guacamole as well yes yeah <laughs> eating guacamole on tortilla chips while he's drinking wine yeah i know um, it's sort of sublime the, the, the premise of the whole the movie sun. it was the the california wine that won the international wine competition back in the 70s or something like that it was the california winery and um but yeah, Alan Rickman plays this snobby Englishman who's looking for American wine to be in this competition. And uh, like I said, he, yeah. And so he goes and he's trying all these, you know, rural farmers, you know, wines. And yeah, this, this guy brings out a basket of chips and guacamole. <laughs> but uh, if but, you have the smallest, just... smallest appreciation mm-hmm. for wine at all. I think you'd like it. It's just, it's just kind of like a love letter. Yeah. It, well, and even if you, I, I didn't really, you know, wasn't really that into wine at all, but it's just, just like I said, to see Alan Rickman eating Kentucky fried chicken, it's worth the price of admission. So 
Anyway, um, yeah. So I guess, uh, by the way, late breaking, before we leave, late breaking Saints news, Quan Alexander signed with the Jets. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, and uh, also, I don't know if you saw on Twitter today, Tom Brady completed a pass to Julio Jones. Yeah. That was literally, like, that was literally a, a big tweet going on. I was like, Tom Brady connects with Julio Jones. It's like, it, it, I connected with my dog throwing a ball the other day. I mean, whatever. So anyway, um, but uh, Saints are. Oh, uh, Saints fans are losing their crap over Mike Thomas, who's apparently doing some things. So he's back. Looking healthy, you know, doing good things in practice and uh, making people happy. Just stay healthy and do those things when the game starts. So, um, but I suppose uh, we'll bring things to a close here um, on our little Comic-Con rundown. Um, If anything, you know, kind of triggered you or made you fired up or anything um, in when you saw the Comic-Con releases, uh, let us know on Twitter um, or on Facebook. But until then, we will say who dat. Good up. up. And everybody have a great week. My monkey.